Emily Aborn is a content copywriter, speaker, and podcast host of Content with Character, and she built this. Since 2014, she's had experience running brick and mortar and online businesses. She works with her clients to increase their visibility, connect with their audience, and open up to creativity in their content. I wanted to chat with Emily about how business owners can both get more curious in creating their own content, but also think about their audience's curiosity too. Welcome to the Digital Hive podcast, where we talk all things marketing for creative small businesses. So many business owners I work with speak about hitting a wall when it comes to creating content, and it takes a lot of time for them to figure out what works for them, either finding their writing or speaking style, finding a format, or having to figure out the tech issues. It intrigues me how curiosity can help them figure that out sooner, or at least to simplify taking that first step. Here's my conversation with Emily. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. It's so good to have you. Thank you, Emma. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) So to kick us off, uh, tell us the big question. Who are you and what do you do? All right. That is the big question. Um, So obviously, as you mentioned, I'm Emily Aborn and I'm a content copywriter. I'm also the host of two podcasts of my own, Content with Character and the She Built This podcast. Um, I'm a dog mom. I live in New Hampshire, USA. (laughs) and I'm married to like a half lumberjack, half house painter. He's a very interesting, he's a very interesting jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. The reason that I brought you on here today was to talk about curiosity and content. For the listeners, maybe just kick off what you kind of like mean by that. What's curiosity and content? Yeah, so I love this question. And the reason I even got kind of interested in does curiosity have a place in our content is because of my own curiosity. So here's kind of how it happened. I have the podcast, the She Built This podcast, and I've had that for, I think, five, it's been about five years now. And one month I decided to focus on curiosity. Um, So all of my conversations revolved around different ways to that we are curious and like how that can lead to success and how it can lead to growth. And I also started being interested in, well, is there a way to infuse more curiosity in the way that we share about ourselves, in the way that we share our message? And so as I kind of like went down the rabbit hole, I realized that there are. Um, So I I think it would be helpful to start by understanding the four types of curiosity because we're all, I mean, naturally at our core, we are curious beings, but we're all curious about different things. So it can be helpful to kind of understand where you are in the different four. These are not my original, like I didn't like come up with the four curious archetypes. These are actually like, you can just Google this and find this. So the four are the fascinated which is kind of like when you have this curiosity about everything and anything, right? Like you just have this vast array of topics that can capture your attention at any moment. You can find yourself going down a rabbit hole on anything from true crime to, uh, I don't know, romance novels, right? So like it's just a wide, wide range of different things. Um, And you tend to be like you tend to be self-driven in that. So you're going to like go find out whatever you want to feed that curiosity. Might be a fast burn and then it's over. Um, Then there's the empathizer. And this is the person that is very curious about other people, also their place in the world socially and how they fit in with other people. But they love talking about things like, well, what's your experience? And how are you feeling? And what is this like for you? And they're going to be really, really like what's your personality type and what things do we have in common and what differences do we have? So it's sort of like that relational curiosity, right? Like curiosity in another person. And then there's the problem solver. This is the person that gets super, super curious when they have something that they need to fix, right? They're trying to find a solution to something. This is, uh, this may be you if you get something on your finger and then you're going down the Google rabbit hole with Dr. Google And like diagnosing yourself with everything under the sun. And then you find yourself on Reddit in the Reddit thread about the the ailment, right? So that's like a, I have to solve the problem. Maybe you make like this entire protocol, this whole list of things that are going to solve your problem. So you're going to go down that rabbit hole when you have a problem to solve. Um, And then there's the avoider. And I don't even like spend a lot of time on this one because the avoider is the person that just isn't really that interested. They're, it's not easy to spark their interest, their attention. They're kind of not uh, self-driven to be curious. So it might have to be like 
like maybe in a school setting, you would be interested in doing a research paper or something like that if it was like inflicted on you, but you're not out there like looking for your own, your own ways to be curious. So I think it helps to set the stage with like, what type of curious person am I? And then when you look at those, you can realize, oh yeah, that really is a huge driver. Like it really is like this pull, right? Like this force inside of us that like takes us to different places. So that's why it, it interested me so much as a content creator, because as content creators, we want to kind of like pull people in, right? Like get them interested in what we're doing and who we are and working with us. And so I started with that and I kind of like went from there and I'll let you, I know I've been talking for a while, so I'm going to let you go. No, that was just so interesting of like also thinking about like not only who am I, but also who is my audience? So like my ideal customer might fit into one of those. And also I can think of almost like subsets of my audience that might end up in like the avoidant or whichever. Um, but they still need, you know, marketing because it's so integral in um, in the world. But then of that, which one do I most want to work with or which ones is certain types of content speaking to? You know how I've got like the podcast, the email list, the blog is one of those more suited to one type. Um, because especially if we're thinking of SEO, like curiosity is often like Google searches happen in some of that piece. Um, so people figuring out kind of like how they would find you as well. Um, but that makes perfect sense. Just the four types of like, of course, of course, these types. It's really true. And you could probably sit down and sort of like, you know, take those top three, right? So the fascinated, the empathizer, and the problem solver and say, okay, if I was speaking to this person with my content, because they are, they are all probably in your audience, right? So we probably all have a mix of those three and the avoider to some extent. Um, so how can I actually tailor what I'm saying to that kind of language? So do I need to be a little more touchy-feely and relation re relational? Do I need to show them exactly how I'm the solution to their problem? Uh, or can I kind of be really broad in my range of topics and they're going to kind of be here for it no matter what. So, and I have, you know, I can watch other content creators and see both what they, what they fall into as well as who they sort of attract. So I tend to be, I'm going to say I tend to be more of an empathizer and a problem solver, but if it's a person I'm, I'm very closely tied to, I'm going to fall right into that fascinated and it's like, whatever you talk about, I am here for it. So you can kind of think of that. Like it may also have to do with the levels people are at in your audience, like how close they are to you. Have they worked with you before? It's a fun, fun mental experiment. And with that levels, it can also be like, okay, so with this type of thing, am I more of a fascinated person or more of a um, empathetic person? Um, but then also, yeah, I can see how you could graduate through as well of being like, okay, so I'm needing to solve this problem, but then I get excited by this shiny thing over there um, and then kind of like go into a rabbit hole. Um, sometimes we're trying to avoid that because we want to stay on task. And other times it's like, okay, I need to like follow my fascination. Um, and see where it takes me. So how can we bring curiosity to our content? All right. So there's this great marketing expression that I discovered on my little journey here, and it's called the curiosity gap. And basically it is the point, it is the distance between what your people know now and what they want to know. And your, your advantage as a content creator is when you have that gap, you get to help them, you get to be the bridge, right? So you get to bring them from what they know now to what they want to know. And it's, it's like, I think of it as like the right amount of spice in cooking because we want people to be a little bit curious. We want to keep leading them along, keeping them in for that next bite. But you know, with spices, when you go overboard and it's just like too hot to handle, you can't even see straight. You're like, I have no idea what is happening, what they're trying to say. It can quickly go into from curiosity to confusion. So it's kind of about finding that sweet spot. Um, so one way to, to bring it in is to start with that question of like, all right, what is the right amount of curious? And is this clear still while I'm still bringing them along. Like I want to keep them engaged. I want to keep them interested, but I also want to make sure that it's clear. Um, and sometimes we need, of course, outside people to help us look at those things. Right. But 
that is one place to start is making sure that you're you're kind of finding that balance while you bridge that gap for them. So I have sort of like five things you can, it, they're easy to retain and they're also easy to implement like right away. And you can start infusing curiosity in literally the next post that you do after you listen to this podcast. So the first one is this. Ask yourself, would I follow me? Like, am I interesting? Am I interesting to listen to? Am I interesting to uh, follow on Instagram? Am I interesting on LinkedIn? Like, would I want to follow someone like me? It's a good place to start. You have to get really, really honest with yourself. Um, This is going to be hard for people who are a little like overly confident, right? Who it's like, okay, (laughs) it's a little bit of false confidence. It's going to be hard for them to be honest with themselves. Um, But for some people, it's really just a matter of like sitting down, looking through your content, being like, whoa, is all I am doing is like promoting myself? Like, am I the person on Instagram that's just always promoting myself? Or am I the person on Instagram that's just only posting photos of my dog and people have no idea what I actually do? So it's like asking yourself, would I follow me? Very easy question. Um, number two is to be really, really clear. And we kind of started with this, be really, really clear on who you're speaking to. So I'm sure you can relate to this. When I know that something was written or, or spoken in a way that takes into consideration my experience, I am like leaning in, right? Like I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, this is for me. Or a good example of this is when we hear something that's like, what are the six archetypes of uh, marketing, right? You're like, oh, I have to listen and figure out what my archetype is, right? So it's like speaking, speaking right to the person, the individuals that we're talking to and let them, letting them know that in different ways. And some of that is just making them feel seen, heard, understood in what we're sharing. And I'm sure you've done a lot of maybe talking on this podcast, but definitely focusing on like, figuring out who your client avatar is. I almost think that like a lot of people will say like, oh, I don't have one. I work with so many different types of people. I'm like, okay, well, for the purpose of this argument, let's just pick one type of person and speak to that one person, speak to their, what they're struggling with, what they're feeling and talk right to them. Also interrupt me at any time or I'm just going to keep going. This is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, And number three, you sort of saw me do this a little bit at the beginning. I didn't quite get into as many fun facts as I could have offered you, but it's showing off your personality and like really letting that shine. First, that starts with us having to get clear on who we are like inside, right? Because then we have to be able to let it out. But do not be afraid. I can't stress it enough. Like I use ChatGPT as a tool also. But ChatGPT has never once given me something I could just take and and paste as anything, like nothing. I always have to infuse my own personality into it. It's the only thing that I have that sets me apart from anybody else on this planet. And it also makes people interested in you because two two reasons. First of all, I do think we are genuinely interested in other human beings. Uh, but secondly, they see parts of themselves in you. Even the specificities, like even the fact that I don't know your favorite food is Klondike bars, right? They're like, oh, yes, my favorite food is Klondike bars too. That was a totally random example. But I'm very known for sharing like a very specific, weird, fun fact. And then having somebody reply to my email and be like, me too. (laughs) It's uncanny. So don't be afraid to show your personality um, because that really does draw people in. Number four is um, not to lead the witness. So this is kind of like not telling people what they think and letting them. Uh, we see it a lot in blogs, right? So, you know, the the old uh, five paragraph essay form from from school. So that kind of like tells you what they're going to tell you, tells you and then tells you what they told you. We can find ourselves doing this in our content where we're like, I'm going to give you what I think like my or or what you should think. And I think that that can like almost diffuse curiosity. So I like sort of ending things with a question or an opportunity to explore it a little bit deeper or like think about it for yourself. Like, how does this apply to you? You know, you can show them examples and stuff. Um. But leading the witness is something that we want to kind of try to avoid, right? Like letting them know this is now what you should think. 
because that's a total curiosity shutdown. And it doesn't keep them going on the journey. It just stops. Um, and then number five is one that I like it is truly the hill I will die on. And that is to avoid complex language and jargon. We all, every industry, no matter what you're in, you have complex jargon and you can talk straight over people's heads. You probably know a lot, but it doesn't need to always come out in the form of like uh, babble, you know, like if I start talking to people about SEO and I just go deep dive into the lingo around it, I, t- I just get people like glazed over staring at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just want more traffic to my website. So use everyday layman's terms. We're not, I'm not talking about making people feel dumb. I'm just talking about like using everyday language that they can easily, easily relate to. And to the point of you and me talking from New Hampshire to New Zealand, uh, it also crosses a lot of those international divides when we just use simple language because some things that you say in New Zealand are not going to be the things that I am terming them in in America. Even even the word, I mean, not that you would avoid this word, but even the word organizing, like we spell it two different ways. So it's just like kind of thinking of those kinds of things. So those are the five. Um, ask yourself if you're interesting to follow. Be clear on who you're talking to infuse your personality, don't lead the witness, and use simple, clear language. I think that just sums it up so perfectly because it's the things like you don't want to cut off their curiosity, but you also don't want them to like feel like they have to be a certain way or they like, especially with the leading the witness thing, especially in marketing, it's kind of like if I were talking about things that people have to do, um, like to be successful, you have to do X, Y, Z. well, if they come from a certain industry where that's not actually the standard, well, then I'm actually just wrong. So like not only would it be cutting off that curiosity, but I'm actually not being very helpful. Thinking about, you know, who are you, who are you talking to and, and what do they need to know? But also then, yeah, not having it where they glaze over because they're like, I have no idea. You've lost me. I don't know what you're talking about. And so they just fade off or it being with the with the leading the witness when they know something, they're just going to it's just going to like put a wall up. But also, yeah, would you, would, would you follow, would I follow myself? Um, the number of people who, like, they lean too hard into that, maybe, like, the personality piece. Um, and it's like, I'm actually a little confused as to what you offer. I've, I don't know if you've pivoted or if I've just forgotten. Uh, but I, I, I don't know what you offer anymore. It gets to that point of, um, you know what they're personally interested in, but you don't necessarily know too much about their business anymore people can use that as almost like a checklist really when they're going through their content um whether they're batching it monthly or um just thinking of a of a post but i'd love to break that down with you how can people be extra clear on who they're speaking with when they're approaching like a specific piece of content so obviously they have their target audience maybe they've figured out who their perfect customer is um and just in case people haven't heard me talk about that before your target audience is more of like the broad um people but this the perfect customer is someone who was like you know everything about that person um so maybe they when we think of like an electronics store um their target audience is people who maybe play games but their perfect customer is someone who goes to um, competitions and maybe they drink energy drinks and they listen to a certain radio station and all of those things so that people can get really specific about like who are they talking to like what radio station would they buy ads on who would sponsor that event how would they get in front of those people um but someone doesn't need to be that person to then walk into their store and and buy a game that they play at home by themselves not in a competition setting how can they think of their content and go where do I want to balance between target versus perfect customer so two thoughts on this one I really love the specific language that you use when you're describing that gamer and I think that's one thing that we all can do a little more of so I I had mentioned being specific in like some of the fun facts I'm sharing right but even thinking about that from for your audience's lens like not just saying you know we there's so much generic content and verbiage out there Every life coach is saying that you're going to find your authentic self or your inner voice or, you know, bring out your unique personality. So it's like, okay, but what does that actually mean? So 
when in your looking at what you're sharing, is it clear, like specific, clear every day what you're talking about when you're describing a pain point? And I like to be a little silly when I'm doing that, you know, so when I'm being specific, I'll say things like, you know, your head feels like it's gone through the blender or something like that. So you're just using really, really specific language. So people are identifying with it. Um, I'll use a, a physical example. So if I just say to you, like, Emma, picture an apple, you're like, okay. And everybody could be picturing some different kind of apple, right? Like everybody has their own apple in their mind. Could be yellow, red, green, who knows? Could be on a tree, could be on the ground, could be in a pie. I, I don't know. But if I say to you, Emma, picture a Granny Smith, just slightly too tart apple. I mean, the the water, your mouth starts to water, like your cheeks tighten up because you can almost taste that too tartness of that Granny Smith apple. So it's thinking of things like that, like how can I actually engage their senses and uh, and their specific pain problem challenges? I don't love like harping on pain points, but I do like to be very specific when I'm talking about the pain points. Um, but the other thing about in this is thinking about like where they are in their journey. So when you're thinking about that, that ideal customer, are they aware that they even have a problem? Like some people don't know that they have a problem. They just know that they have a symptom, right? So they're like, okay, I have a headache, but I don't really know mm, no, that. No, then you actually would know you have a problem. So maybe you just uh, feel tired, right? But you're not really sure what's going on. Um, then there's a person that shows up with a headache, like they know what the problem is. And then there's the person that knows the actual solution and they know what the solution is. So there's symptom, problem, and solution awareness. And we can be thinking about like, first of all, we all have customers in all of those areas, but trying not to say, oh, I'm going to speak to all of them all at once, right? Like pick one of those places that you're starting at. So maybe I speak to somebody that has a symptom, but doesn't even know that they have a problem yet. Uh, maybe I speak to somebody who knows they have a problem. They know what the problem is, but they don't know what the solution is. They don't know the solution is me. And then maybe I speak to somebody that knows the solution is me. It's a much easier sell, obviously. <laughs> it's basically like, here, sign here. Um, but you see how we have to talk to all of those areas like a little bit differently depending on who they are. And that's where that specificity really, really comes in nice because you can just like totally bring them into the picture. I like content to be a bridge. I like it to be like, here I am, but I know who you are and I know where you are. And like the only reason I share, the only marketing I have to do is simply get from where I am to where you are to meet, you know, like that is marketing. It's a conversation. It's a connection. So that's how I like to think of it. I hope I answered your question. Mm -hmm. I think I kind of went on a tangent. No, that's good. Um, the thing that I also really like about that is that with something like social media, which is broad but also public, you will need to break up. Like sometimes you're talking to this stage, sometimes you're talking to this stage, whichever. But there are also parts of marketing where you almost have like a gateway to receive that piece of information so sometimes that can even be podcasting because they have to find your show like there's not as much discoverability on those apps as there is on social media um, with like hashtags and things like that where people in an algorithm where information is just presented to people but then also email marketing like if someone has to sign up for your email list to get on that thing you can use that gateway of like a welcome sequence or a freebie incentive that they're getting to sign on that to like bridge them from one stage to the next so there's like some areas where people can be really broad and talk to people in all stages, but then there's some where like you'll probably want to get down to the the nitty gritty. Um, and then things like, you know, a sales sequence or something if you're um, launching something specifically, whether it's only available for a specific amount of time or if it's evergreen, but you're just pushing uh, specifically. In that instance, you're probably not wanting to start with the people who don't necessarily even know that they have a full problem yet, because how are you going to convert them by the end of that two weeks or something? Just thinking of those people of like, where are they at? How could I get in front of this person? But then making sure there's some variety in there of getting in front of um, all different types of people so that people can progress with you 
rather than being like, well, I've figured out what my problem is now. So therefore, like, there's nothing else for me to really gain um, by continuing to follow on social media or something like that. So I just really like how that that breaks it down for people of how they could graduate with you. And then there's different, you know, language that you could be using in each of those scenarios, but also different calls to action to move people from one to the next. You know, if you already know that someone is in that really early stage, the call to action would need to be appropriate for that versus like, so book a call with me and we can talk all about it is very like, that's too soon for someone who is um, just figuring out like, Oh, I'm tired. Why am I tired? kind of situation depending obviously on what the service that you offer is I mean if you help people figure that out then probably a little bit earlier um but like for me with marketing strategy if that person just wanted to figure out um like a piece of terminology or understand calls to action for example like how does this work if I went from explaining calls to action to book a strategy with me that would be quite the leap um so just kind of like bridging the gap while also keeping that bridge reasonable not like a bridge from New Zealand to Australia it's just a bridge like across the river totally like helping them take baby steps yeah and I'll say this I think we're all moving so fast that like being a like slowing down as a creator can actually help you to help like it can help you to help people to slow down when they're taking your content in too right like it's like I'm gonna slow down I'm gonna think about this and create it and if I only get one person that it lands with I have done my job you know because that's what I want how many people can you realistically work with at one time as a, as a service provider I think about that all the time like I literally need one person to to resonate with this for it to be a success so why don't I just talk like I'm talking to one person instead of like everybody on social media, right? I'm not Elise Myers over here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, how can people kind of like get on that really good spot of not leading the witness? Because you want people to understand certain parts about um, your niche, your expertise, your um, what you offer and how you can help them. But you don't necessarily want to lead them. So how can people like balance the two there? Well, one thing you actually said this before, you you said the solution that you're offering by leading a witness might not be, might not work for everybody. So we don't actually, it's not beneficial to us as service providers to be prescriptive because hypothetically, let's just say I write a blog and I'm like three steps to do X, Y, Z. And somebody goes and does those three steps and like, well, that didn't work for me. Mm. So then they don't trust me. Then they don't believe me, right? Because they're like, well, she prescribed something that didn't work for me. So that's when you want to be broad in the things that you're providing. And podcasts are a good example of this, actually. Like when I do a podcast, I try to be very um, inclusive in who it could affect. And when there's nuances, I'll say this, like this won't work for you if, you know, or this might work for you if. Because I just want to make sure like nobody's going to go try the thing and be like, it didn't work. What you really need to do is sit down with me at a strategy session. We could talk about your unique business. So I think just knowing where you as a product, as a service provider fall in that, that's going to help you a lot. There are certain products where you could see, oh, well, if you have this, 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 this type of skin, you need this face wash, right? Then it might be totally okay to be prescriptive. Um, so you can see that there's like instances when you would want to do that and then instances where you, you want to protect yourself, A, but you also want to keep people going to the next step. Like, ooh, I wonder what they would say if I had this or I wonder what they would say if I had this. So the other thing I like to do in this is, and I'm sure you do this as well, but like interlinking on my website. So let's say I do say like, uh, if, um, so I work with a lot of interior designers. So like one spot on my website has a page specifically speaking to interior designers. And the only way they can really find that is if it's like, if they click a button, that's like, are you an interior designer? Right? So it's like taking people to those next steps because what I wrote on the other page may not necessarily apply to them. Um, same with like a website designer I'm collaborating with. It might look different than how I work with my clients on my pages. So thinking of things like that, 
Like, how can I take them to the next step? Um, and that's kind of what I mean about not just like giving, like, basically, you want a uh, dot, dot, dot at the end of your at the end of whatever you're creating, you know, just just metaphorically, you want like three ellipses instead of like a period. Que a question mark works also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, yeah, then people start reflecting and then they start thinking about the next thing. With that, once people kind of like have this figured out, sometimes um, the fun element can come into it. So either they don't like doing social media content or other parts of their marketing, but they find that their audience is there. So they've figured out that they do need to do it or they want to do it. Um, but maybe there's like some harder parts. How can the curiosity help them to like get through that? Um, and find that fun? Really fun question. Yeah. So I would ask uh, the person listening that that really does not like social media or mar let's just say marketing, right? I would ask you to sit down and just think for a minute about why you started your business in the first place and what kind of things in your business light you up. And I'll bet you that like if you can just brainstorm like five things that light you up, that excite you in your business, you've already given yourself five things that you can probably write about or share about in an excited way. So, I mean, to me, marketing, quote unquote, I said it before, it's a conversation, right? So it's like it benefits us to be excited to have that conversation with our people. And I, I think I actually think what people don't like about it is they don't like setting aside the time. They don't often think that they have good ideas, which again, if you started a business and you are excited about it, you have a ton of ideas like sitting right there, probably on your homepage. And you probably could turn a lot of those things into other forms of content. Um, and I think the other thing people don't like is how frustrating social media is in general. Like it's frustrating not to get engagement on your stuff. It's frustrating not to have people interact. And what I would say to that is like, I think of marketing as a whole pie. So it's not just my social media. It's not just my podcast. It's not just my email. It's, it's things like what you and I are doing right here. It's having conversations like this. It's the coffee chats. It's the networking events. It's going to the grocery store and just like, oh, having a conversation next to the oatmeal, you know, about what you're doing for work now with your old high school teacher, right? It is a huge pie. And we think of it as like social media, that is marketing, right? Or SEO, that is marketing. And it's just so many things. It, there are so many parts to it. So I would say focus on the three slices of that pie that make you most excited. And be consistent with the rest, but don't put all your, you know, don't focus on the things you really don't like to do. So like if social media, if A, if you're not getting clients from social media, um, don't make that number one piece of your pie, but focus on the pieces that you do love to do. Now, I'm a weirdo and I like all of the pie slices. I'm like, yes, the more pie. Can we add more slices? Because I like it. So I like all of those things. If I had to pick a least favorite, it's probably like going to an actual networking event. Like that's not my favorite. Um, but it's easy. It comes easier for some people than others. So that's another thing is like, don't look at other people and compare yourself to them because they probably have pieces of the pie that they hate doing that you love to do. Right. So it, it's like um reels on on social media. I look at people doing reels. I'm like, oh, my God, I just I, I can't. But then I like doing things like emailing and podcasting that other people would just like cry their eyes out if they had to do. Right. So focus on the pieces that really, really light you up. And oftentimes you can take pieces that you've shared someplace else or that you've done in another way and turn those into other slices. So like you and I, this podcast right here is a great example. You can take any element of this podcast and turn it into something to share on social media. So it's like, oh, well, I just took the legwork out of that. And all I had to do was have a conversation. So I like to think of it like that. Like, how can I actually just make it a little easier and less stressful for me? And then to your point of fo following curiosity, like let yourself get curious and interested in who you are, first and foremost, who your clients are. Get really, really interested in who those clients are. Learn about them. Listen to them. Be present with them. because. When you do, you can just turn a lot of those things into content 
and it makes your job so, so much easier. And also get really interested in your subject, right? Your area of expertise, like immerse yourself. And I, I think it will make your job a lot easier. Yeah. I also think sometimes if we break something like that down into the parts, you can kind of see which parts of it you enjoy and which parts you don't. So like, for example, a podcast episode, if you're going to have a guest on, you've got to reach out to that guest. You've got to plan content, maybe think of questions ahead of time, have the conversation, edit the conversation, schedule it, hope it gets seen. And throughout that, there will be parts of that that you maybe don't enjoy so much or that feel a little more vulnerable, like reaching out and asking someone to come on your show. But there are often ways that you can tweak that piece so that it becomes not so much of a thing. So rather than just like cold outreach to people, you could join a podcast group, um, like either a Facebook group or a paid network. And people in there are already wanting to be podcast guests. So by reaching out to them, it's not like you're asking this massive favor because they already want to do that thing. Um, just like you can also, if you're feeling like, oh, I don't really like social media because I don't really feel like I'm getting the result out of it. You could also just adjust what that result that you're looking for is. So rather than it being like, okay, I want to gain X amount of followers per post or whatever, or I want to gain a certain amount of reach. It's kind of like, do I want this to spark a conversation with someone? And then that way, even if you only have 50 followers, but they're somewhat engaged, somewhat of a recent audience, you could still spark a conversation with that. Somebody by comment or um, DM you or something like that. So you're just adjusting um, that kind of like result that you're looking for and how you, how you judge the content and turn yourself um, by changing that. I think there's also a piece with podcasting where there's multiple parts of it that I enjoy. So I get multiple results out of it. There's not only the people who listen to the podcast and maybe they get something out of it, but I'm also enjoying the conversations. So therefore, before I even publish it, it's still like worth my time, worth doing it, really enjoyable for me. So it's worth those like little tasks that might feel a little bit more vulnerable throughout the piece. And with social media, especially now, you know, when Reels and TikToks first kind of um, started and we started having those trending things, I get why people weren't like, well, I don't want to lip sync stuff, so I'm just not going to do trending. But of course, with anything creative, we evolve into these few different versions. So there's those things still exist, but you can also have that what is essentially like B-roll content of the like, you caught me doing my emails kind of thing. Where the, the video is just filming them doing their every day so they can batch this content whenever and then put either text over it or put a trending audio over it. So there are different ways to approach almost every part of marketing where maybe just the approach to that specific thing, if you tried something new and got curious about a different type of format, then maybe you would find something that felt good. I was just going to say, you sound like a, a problem solver variety of the curious because you're you're curious about finding a different way of doing things. Like, okay, can we find, can we strategize a different way to do this and make your life a lot better and easier? Yeah. I feel like it's almost like a combination of the empathy and the, and the problem solver, because obviously the, the empathy is like the individual person and why that is different for them, but then also trying to figure out how we can solve this problem you don't necessarily have to do like social media or podcasting or anything the same way that somebody else has done it. Because inherently, if you only did what they do, then you're going to have a different result anyway, because they were before you and doing it ahead of you and, and all of those things anyway. So it's just like, how can we get curious and do that thing differently so that it becomes more, more fun? I also like planning ahead and batching. And then that way it like takes the pressure off me. Where like if I'm doing this thing and it's like fun or like reels or whatever and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do a trending audio every week or whatever. Some weeks I might not have time and that's okay because I've already batched like two or three other pieces of content that week. So I'm still reasonably consistent on the platform. And then, you know, maybe it doesn't happen this week, but it happens next week and that's fun and fine. Or maybe nothing really sparked my curiosity or fun with the trending. So I just didn't do it that week. So there's also that piece of just like, how can it work for you? Almost like getting curious about the approach to the content as well as getting curious about the connection to the audience. And yeah. I'd say even with planning, like there's different ways that you might like to plan. Like I like to come up with a high level, like here's what I'm doing in a month. 
but I don't find myself, I, I want to, I want to sit down and like batch out every post and plan every post, but I don't often do that. And I think because I do it in my job, sometimes it's a little like, well, I don't really want to do it for myself. Um, but then some weeks I'm amazing about it, right? Then I'm like, I have 10 posts to go out this week and I'm ready to go. So it, it, for me, it always depends, but it comes back to like, what is my planning style? Like, I know I feel better when I'm planned and organized. Some people don't actually like it. They don't like having a plan. They like to be unstructured. So it's looking at that for yourself too and saying like, what works for me? So I love this. And I I go back to what we started with is just like, I really do think that curiosity begins. It's an inside out thing, right? And it begins with being like, I actually am curious about myself. Maybe I don't know everything there is to know about even me, which means I definitely don't know everything there is to know about the world outside of me. Yeah. How can people approach this with their website? Is there ways that people can bring the curiosity to their website that's different to other forms of marketing? That's a great question. And I wish I had like a really specific answer, but I think just to start, just to give people like a little taste of where they could go. A lot of websites read very generically and very much the same. And I think that it is more important than ever to stand out on your website using your personality, using your unique voice, also writing and not not like not writing exactly how you talk, but writing how you talk so that when people go to your website and then book a discovery call with you, they're not like, wait a minute, this is not at all the same person, right? And there are probably like brand, like brand designers who are like, ooh, I know how to create for <laughs> curiosity on your website. But I think we can do it with our language too. I just, just finished working with a woman today. We did a strategy session. She's like a boudoir photographer. And we used so many fun pieces of language that were like very specific, very much her personality, but also the personality of her clients. And I, it's like, she does not sound like any other boudoir photographer. And every time we saw a word that was like, oh, somebody else would say that exact phrase, we got rid of it. And we said, what would I say? What would I say if somebody was in front of me and I was taking their photo and we had a blast and it's way more fun for you as a creator because you don't have to like sit there like worrying about exactly how to say it you just say it how you would actually say it and what about getting people to go to that next layer on your website how can how can people like spark that interest so that they then click through to the services page or click through to find out what the pricing packages are or what have you it I think, first of all, showing people like, um, again, remember I said I'm not like a wild fan of harping on pain points, but what I like to show people is the transformation. So like I like to show them, you know, you you will feel better on the other side. So click this button to feel better, basically. <laughs> um, I don't sit there and like tear apart everything that they're struggling with. I just like to say like, here's what we can do. Like, here's the possibility. I also think I'm a big fan of, I'm always, I don't know, we would probably do this because we're marketers, but I look at like calls to action buttons and I'm like, ooh, that was a fun one. I like the fun ones. I like the ones that are like, wee, you know, or like, let's go. <laughs> so I think even having a little bit of fun with your calls to action or even being cheeky and like saying exactly what the call to action is and like, you know, you know what you're doing when you're putting the website together. Like people know what we're doing. They've been to enough websites. So have a little fun with it. Um, but I think that including plenty of calls to action, right? Like do not bury that lead. I've done that so many times. My hand is raised very, very high. I'm like, look at me, look at me, but don't buy it. <laughs> now I'm going to run in the opposite direction. So being confident, look at me, look at me. And saying, here's the way to get to the next step. Here's how I can help. So, yeah, I think too, with like the not harping on the pain point piece for too long is like you want people to understand that you get what they're going through or that you understand where they're at right now, because that allows them to trust you in giving you that solution. But then moving that piece of content on to the next step is almost like a transition in itself you're not necessarily needing them to click from one page to the other but you're you're moving them forward and almost like creating momentum with the content on your page so moving from that to like 
maybe the benefits of working with you or what they might get, the transformation afterwards. And then like, okay, so what would be their next question? And they're thinking, okay, but how do you do it? So then you give them a little bit of that information while also not going over their head and then moving on and sharing some, you know, specific instances where you've, you've done it like testimonials or case studies and things like that. And then giving them the next piece of information that they would inherently be curious about. And then, you know, using those calls to action so that they move on to the next phase, more like literally of moving on to the next page. And you can have like a curiosity buddy, right? So you can have somebody actually look at your your website and ask them their experience on it. Um, I might do it with two people. So I might do it with like one person you really know, like, and trust. And they're just like a non-business person, like your best friend that you walk with or something. Um, And then I would ask one of your business besties because they're both going to have a different a different eye. And depending on who your ideal client is, you want to make sure that you're like speaking to that person, not if your best friend has nothing to do with that. You don't want them just weighing in on anything and everything. So I have done that and I find that to be really, really helpful. Like I'm like, is this how you would you know, does this make sense to you? Is this how you would read it? Is this how you interpret it? So I've also asked my husband and he's so confused sometimes. I'm just like, okay, next person. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you're careful about who you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's certain things that I would run past like my dad, for example. Um, Cause he's like more of like a technophobe kind of a person. So I'm like, if I want to make sure that something is easily understood by the wide world, I run it by him. But there are also things that I wouldn't run by him because he'd be like, what? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I would almost like warp my reaction of what I need to do, like one, like maybe five steps too far in the wrong direction. Um, so yeah, checking those influences. How can people kind of figure out whether this is like, quote unquote, working? Maybe inherently they know in themselves that it's making their content creation more interesting. But how can they track curiosity? Are there different Mm. ways that they could use different indicators of like, am I getting more clicks through to my website or things like that to like figure out if it's working? Yeah. So I would say there's kind of three things, right? There's like the metrics and that might look different depending on its social media, email list, your website. Um, But that is truly where you're seeing the numbers and you're seeing your name come up in Google search and people click through to your website and move through your website. Um, I don't know, you know, depending on what platform people are on and like how their websites are set up, like I can't give you uh, the prescription for checking your website analytics, but talk to the person who can help you with that. Um. So looking at your your metrics, your analytics, like that's one thing. The other thing is exactly what you said, like a little bit of a gut check, right? Like, does this feel good to me? Do I feel like this is working? Do I feel like I'm getting engagement and response? And then the third, I like to think like, am I genuinely enjoying this? Like, is it like the enjoyment check? Like, is this still, am I into it, right? Because when we are losing our excitement and our enthusiasm for something, it almost always is coming through that way on the other side. Like when you just feel like you have to do something or you have to say something some certain way, it comes through on the other side. So it's funny. I just did a podcast on what is sticking and it was just about like our marketing efforts as a whole. And I use those three metrics, gut and enjoyment as our sort of like check-in points. Yeah, totally. No, I really like that. And I think too, it's like, If you were resistant to making content, maybe you're actually making more of it. So you can actually Mm. like look at it objectively through a number like that of like, well, I wanted to be creating two podcasts uh, a month or maybe I wanted to to publish two blogs a month, but I was maybe getting around to writing one every three months because I was just dragging my feet through it. But now I'm able to actually do the two a month. And not only are you feeling better about it, but you're actually taking action on that feeling and you're able to do it. I think with timing too, I think people can, yes, you can see how that one piece of content works, but it might take, depending on how long people's purchase cycle is, it might take months for that to actually turn into the client base that you're wanting it to turn into, especially if people are finding you in that, like, they don't necessarily know what their problem is yet phase. Like, it might take a little bit. Um, So give yourself some time. We need to audio highlight that. Like also it is painful the number of times you have to share about something for people to take action on it. Sometimes like I have promoted these strategy sessions specials that I have through the end of the year 
so many times. I'm like, oh my God, everyone is going to hate it. Hardly anyone has even seen it, right? And like the people that have bought it, it they must have seen it six times for it to stick with them. So remember that like you are not being you're not being repetitive you're being cohesive you're being consistent so like reframe the repetitiveness to consistency and chances are very high that people have not seen it the first time second time third time fourth time and even if they have like and they haven't purchased they are not your people bless and release keep moving and keep sharing so let that be a lesson for all of us i need to remind myself of it sometimes cuz we can feel like we are just sharing and sharing and sharing the same thing and it's not working. It just takes so many times these days because people are moving so quickly. Totally. And also if we feel vulnerable about that, what feels like an ask of like, buy this thing, we don't necessarily want to say it too many times, but realistically people need it. You need to be mm-hmm. talking about it consistently and often so that people will, so that it'll connect for people and that they'll, you know, get around to it as well. You know, maybe sometimes they hear it on a podcast, but they're in the car and then it never quite makes it on the to-do list. So there's also that piece too. Yes. A hundred percent. Good call. Yeah. I forgot about how many times I'm in the car and I'm like, oh yeah, I'd like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I need that email piece reminder or, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh social media call out um, for me to actually take action. Um, Doesn't mean I didn't want to at the start. It's just that I just never got around to it. So yeah. Yeah. So where can everyone find you, Emily? Well, thank you. Um, so if you are if you are a podcast lover, and you probably are because you're listening to Emma's podcast right now, uh, you can j- also jump over to my podcast, which is called the Content with Character Podcast. And then the easiest way to find me like on social media, I'm Emily Aborn in all the places, and I'm fairly sure I'm the only Emily Aborn. <laughs> like there is no other. Yeah. So uh, Emily Aborn, it's like acorn with a B. And I would love to connect with you. And thank you so much for this opportunity. This was so fun. And you like fed my curiosity. Like I can feel my brain just lit up. So, Well, thanks so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. And hopefully everyone else is listening and thinking, oh, I'm so curious about what I can create now. Yes. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Digital Hive podcast. As you reflect on your own and your potential customer's curiosity, I hope that mental wall starts to come down and you're able to figure out more of what works for you and how you can fill and create new curiosity gaps. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd truly appreciate it if you could share it with a friend or on Instagram and tag me at Honeypot Digital. To find out more about Honeypot Digital and the marketing strategy and coaching work I do, or to find more marketing resources, head to honeypotdigital.com.